The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. This is going to be a great show. We've got a terrific guest who's got a book that thrills me. Um, her name is Terry Walters, and the book that we're going to be talking about is her book, Clean Food, A Seasonal Guide to Eating Close to the Source. And not only is it a great resource for understanding the different types of foods that we should be eating and some of the uh, inside scoop on how to prepare these foods in the most nutritional way, but it's also a seasonal cookbook. You can turn to a section that has uh, springtime recipes, summertime recipes, etc. And she's got a, a huge variety of different types of meals based on the type of food that's in season at the moment. And some of us have really lost touch with that. We've talked on Go Green Radio before about how, you know, as, as our communities begin to become more urbanized, we're farther and farther away from the source of our food. And sometimes, it's hard to tell what's even in season when you shop at the grocery store because you can get, you know, produce from all over the world and, you know, you never really are sure what what you should be eating to, to eat local or to eat seasonally. But Terry's going to help us learn more about that in this episode. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Terry. Thank you, Jill. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm so anxious to share your insights with my listeners because, honestly, I have learned so much from your book, Clean Food. And I think that, you know, besides the fact that we've covered this topic a lot on Go Green Radio over the past five years, uh, there is a resurgence in uh, people's interest in and attentiveness to what they're eating and where it comes from. But even still, I'm not sure that all of our listeners will know what you mean by clean food. And so I'd love for you to spend a little time talking to us about this concept so we're all on the same page to begin with. Sure, and I think that for me, just having this career, I even need the reminder. You know, I need to remember, clean is minimally processed. The less processing, the more nutritional value we're able to access. And you know it's clean, and you know it's cl- you're close to the source if there's no package. Now, that doesn't mean that clean food can't come in a package, but for the most part, if you're buying it in the produce section, if it comes from the green kind of plant, you know that it's clean. And for, you know, some, for the most part, what you see is what you get. So my books happen to be vegan, but they're not diet books. And, and they're not even saying that vegan is for everybody. They really are saying that these are the foods that we all need more of. And my goal is to make them easy and delicious so we can eat like this every day. So clean food is seasonal, as you already said. So that means that these are the foods that are growing around you in the season that you're in. So, for instance, right now, I'm in the Northeast. 
We have tons of berries. We have all sorts of um, baby kale, collard greens, mescaline mix. All the baby greens and herbs are starting to come up. Chives. These are the foods that are growing right around us. And clean comes in a rainbow of colors. So these are the colors naturally found in nature. And if we can eat a rainbow of color, we're more likely to be in balance and well-nourished. And, of course, clean comes in all five tastes. So there's sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and pungent. And the goal is to get these colors and these tastes in the least processed way so that we can be the most balanced and sustain our good health. Oh, and that sounds so great. And one of the things that you hit on that I was so impressed with when I was looking at the recipes that are included in clean food, they really are easy. And sometimes there's a misperception that either finding the food or preparing the food to live this way is hard and time-consuming. And uh, you really do a great job in your book of showing that it can be done um, quite quite simply, actually. You know, we've spent a number of episodes on Go Green Radio discussing food-related issues, and we've talked about things like GMOs and confined animal feeding operations and factory farming, and many of our listeners are familiar with the problems in our current food system, and I think we're all ready to hear some non-political solutions that we can implement in our own homes, even if this law or that FDA regulation fails to pass. You know, of, of course, step one, I'm going to just put it out there, should be getting a copy of your book, Clean Food. But after that, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's great. But after that, what would you recommend um, our listeners take as a first step in transitioning to a clean food lifestyle? You hit it right on when you said that uh, basically we don't need to trade in uh, nutritional value in order to have convenience. And I think that's the biggest mis- uh, misconception. And so it, for me, I, I don't like to spend a lot of time cooking. I spend maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes each night making my meal. Um, so I just want people to know that, for instance, you can buy instant oatmeal um, that has is highly processed with all the sweeteners and everything in it and bring your water to a boil and it'll be done in about a minute and a half or two minutes, however long it takes to boil the water. Or you can buy regular rolled oats and put your own apples in your own sweetener, maybe a little dash of cinnamon in it, and it'll take the same amount of time. So I think that's important. But I think the other thing that's really great to remember is just perspective. Clean isn't going to be the same for each person, and we have to know where we're at and work from a place that's comfortable for us. So sometimes just if you're eating something that's highly processed, you know, look at what you're eating and say, geez, maybe I can find an alternative that has fewer artificial ingredients in it. Maybe it's still even in the package. Maybe if I'm going to the grocery store, I can ask my grocer, is any of this produce locally grown, right? And, and the more we ask, the more we create the demand and the sooner we're going to see that change reflected in our grocery store offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great time of year to seek out a farmer's market or a farm where you can get a CSA, a farm share, which even in the cities, uh, in our urban areas, there tend to be sometimes even more opportunities for farm fresh produce in the urban areas. I think that's... Um, you know, something that surprises a lot of people, but there are so many farmers markets and farmers bringing their product to market 
that's what we want is to get that product to you. There's a mm-hmm. great website um, that's uh, localharvest.org, and you can go into their website and put your zip code and bring up a whole list of local farms, farmers, and grocery stores that are selling local products. But mm-hmm. asking is the way to be the most empowered with your food source. So whether you're asking a farmer, how is this grown, or just asking yourself when you're standing at the grocery store shelf, do I recognize how all the ingredients in this, pro- in this product are grown? Can I recognize mm-hmm. them as coming from the green kind of a plant and not the processing plant? And if you can't, put that product back. I, as I tell my kids, if you can't visualize how it's grown, your body isn't going to be able to digest it and assimilate it like you want it to. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get the maximum nutrition. So put it back and find something else where you recognize the ingredients. Or put it back and go to the produce section and buy something that's not already in a package. A whole grain, some legumes, some fresh vegetables, fruit, and go from there. And I liked something that you said in your book as well. Uh, you know, if if you exercise, uh, you know, strong will and willpower one time a week right. when you go to the grocery store and and you put back, you know, something and and maybe just replace one item per week or something, you know, in your life, so you don't, you know, really really shake your body up in in getting off of some of these processed foods and going completely clean all in one week. Um, but if you do it in baby steps and then you also, you know, start to deny, you know, some of those cravings at the grocery store and fill up your home with healthy choices, you only have to have that willpower once in a week because, you know, once you bring all that clean food into your house, then when you're going for a snack, when you're going for something to eat, there's only good choices there, you know, and I, I like that. Just you know. And I find that when I go to the grocery store, sometimes I'm rushing through and that's when the craving hits and it's not because I'm actually physically craving something. It's because emotionally I'm looking for something to make me enjoy the process or, uh, you know, get me from here a little sweet, a reward for doing, making the stop at the grocery store between (laughs) however many other errands that I have to run in a short period of time, right? So I find when I go into the grocery store, I just stop at the front and I take a deep breath and just try and connect with the intention to buy the foods that are going to serve me and my family. Now, that helps me when I'm home, but the other thing, the other nice result is that when you're, when you have children in the home, then all of a sudden, instead of being a, you know, a policeman and saying, no, you can't have this right now, but you can get, find something healthy, right? All mm-hmm. of a sudden, everything in the house is healthy, and now you play more of the cruise director role <laughs> and just direct, right? Oh, well, sure, yep. you can have whatever you want. So think about what colors you haven't had or what mm-hmm. tastes you haven't had. And so then you're, not only having a healthy dialogue, but you're teaching and you're helping your children to guide themselves. And that really empowers them to make healthy choices. Because if I put something on my shelf, I mean, let's face it, if I shouldn't have it and it's on my shelf, I want it all. And if you tell your children, no, you can't have it, they're going to want it all the more too. And there should be a time and a place to have treats. So if we can eat well when we're at home, that gives us the opportunity to splurge outside the home. Mm-hmm. 
And then it really feels like a treat and not something that our taste buds want every day. You know, one of the things that um, I think a lot of Americans have gotten used to is looking at nutrition labels and trying to get, you know, this mineral and this vitamin and, and looking for the fat content and the sodium content of our nutrition labels. But a lot of the foods that are included in a clean food diet you know they don't come with nutrition labels how do we how do we make that shift so that we understand and and we ensure that we're getting the right combination of of minerals and vitamins without well, those the, nutrition the colors labels colors of the rainbow are really it sounds so simple but it really is key but i do have to make one exception to that rule that even though we want to eat all the colors of the rainbow and as I said before, in their natural state. So Fruit Loops, that does not count <laughs> part of this conversation. <laughs> but there is Darn, one color that we want more of and that our bodies need more of than any other, and that's the color green. Our dark leafy greens, our lettuces, our uh, kale and collard greens and dandelion greens and watercress and broccoli and romaine. I mean, I could go on and on with those dark leafy greens. Those are really the super nutritionals that are giving us the minerals that we need, that are alkalinizing our bodies, and they're really nourishing every bodily system. So all the colors of the rainbow, all the tastes, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and pungent, and special emphasis on the color green. Now, one thing that you touched on those cravings I want to talk about because sweet and salty are the two tastes that are the primaries primary taste in processed foods, and they can be super addicting. And so it's important to note that when you're eating clean, you are still eating sweet and salty. The goal here is to bring those tastes in nutritionally so we don't crave them non-nutritionally. And that's you'll see in all of my recipes. There's always a hint of sweet. There's always saltiness. There's sour. There's bitter. It's when we take those tastes out and we take out important important ingredients like you mentioned actually fat which fat is super important for lubricating and flushing toxins from the body so we want these components in our diet in the most nutritional way that we can get them well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to keep discussing a, a wide variety of issues around the clean food movement, one of which, and this is perfect because we're Go Green Radio, is to talk about the environmental impacts of a clean food lifestyle. So don't go away, folks. We've got much more with Terry Walters. If you want to check out her website while we're uh, at commercial break, don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on Voice America, but you can open a new tab in your web browser and go to www.terrywalters.net. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. All round the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. 
Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today, everybody. I think you're really going to feel inspired and maybe even, um, you know, enlightened and, and refreshed by the, the guest's perspective that we have today. We're talking with Terry Walters, and she's just such a positive force in the clean food movement. And in fact, her new book, um, which is a, a revision of, of one of her previous books, Clean Food, A Seasonal Guide to Eating Close to the Source. She now has a revised and expanded edition out with even more recipes, and, and they're wonderful. And I really recommend that you get out on her website, take a look at this book, and she's got another book, Clean Start, and a, and a new one in the works that we're excited about. But check her out at Terry, that's Terry with a Y, Walters.net. Uh, great website, full of great information. You know, this is Go Green Radio, and so we, you know, we like to talk about the environmental impacts of some of the topics that we cover naturally. Um, and I think a lot of people have made connections between environmental pollution and human health. But sometimes I think that we only trace the environmental pollution back to things like coal plants, tar sands, or, you know, oil spills like we had in the Gulf a couple of years ago. Um, but let's focus on the environmental benefits of eating clean. How does a highly processed diet that a lot of us, and I'm guilty of it as well, I have a lot of <laughs> too much in my cupboard. Um, how does a highly processed diet negatively impact our planet? Well, the resources that are used to to produce that diet are um, exponential. You know, from the um, pesticides and herbicides that are sprayed on the land to ensure that we have a a crop that goes full circle, to the natural resources, the gas, the water, excessive water, the um, gas used to process the plants to ship. The packaging that's often used, and I don't know about you, but I feel like my produce section, section is quickly disappearing and becoming all, all packaged. I know, um, and so I that's hate even that. more, more processing. And let's not forget about that 
all of that packaging actually has to go somewhere. So mm-hmm. the cycle is, uh, has uh, consequences from start to finish, not to mention that now we're eating food that who knows when it was picked, but it, it's not fresh. Um, it takes a long time to get from the farm to your table. And so we're losing nutritional value there. And, and don't get me wrong, because, you know, there are, there are times when I want that uh, pineapple that's flown in from Costa Rica. And I don't, we don't grow pineapple here in Connecticut, I promise you that. And, <laughs> and by buying that pineapple, I'm also providing a, a living for someone in Costa Rica. So there is some um, economy that I think can be achieved, but when we in this country lose our ability to grow our own food and are dependent completely on others for the source of our food, um, that's when things get scary, not to mention that growing our own food is the best thing for our health. That's the only way we can guarantee where the seed came from, how it was cared for, you know, what the condition of the soil is, when it was picked. Um, and, and so, and knowing your farmer or whether you're growing it yourself, when we bring that clean food in, that's the food that best supports our health. It also supports our local economy. It keeps our air quality and our water quality cleaner in our local areas. Um, and so, you know, it's, and um, and it supports our, our local farmers. So mm-hmm. our communities, our farmers, our environment, our economy, those are all pretty positive benefits of eating clean. Well, and I think, you know, this this point was kind of driven home to me just this week. There's a, there's a food security component to this as well. Um, just this week I was reading on uh, Reuters. I get most of my news on apps on my iPhone. And I, I saw a story that there's a huge pork producer that's going to be bought mm-hmm. um, by, by a Chinese company. China. And that means <laughs> that all of this pork, and, and I'm not a huge, you know, uh, pork eater, though I'll, I'll eat a piece of bacon from now on, you know, now and again. But, you know, still a lot of people love pork, but this whole operation that's going to be run and it's going to be processed here in the U.S. isn't even going to be available to U.S. consumers. So there's all this food uh, being being produced that will, you know, that will be owned by a Chinese company. And so there is a food security issue um, that's inherent in buying local, growing local, and having that food available to local consumers, you know, that that we can't forget. Um, You know, last summer, speaking of environmental issues and water being a big one, we had an, a historic drought, and a lot of it, you know, was actually felt in the plain states and in the heartland where a lot of our food is grown. And some climate scientists say that droughts like this will only become more frequent as we experience climate change over the next, you know, few decades. What are your concerns? I mean, what are you worried about most, Terry, when you hear about these kinds of, of huge droughts um, and how they may impact our ability to eat close to the source? In other words, you know, that we'll have to rely on food that's shipped from further away if there's such severe drought that we can't support, you know, our local eaters. <laughs> what do you think about, uh, you know, the clean food movement's ability to adapt to climate change? Well, certainly climate change is a big question mark for a lot of farmers. Um, and when the drought was hitting our, the middle of our country, we in the Northeast were experiencing excessive rain. 
uh, where, you know, the urban farm that I work with, um, our fields were underwater. You know, mm-hmm. our, we were experiencing severe blight in our tomatoes and our peppers. It was really, uh, you know, just the opposite extreme. So there is a food crisis there. But so much of what um, is happening, I believe, also is, a, is contributed to by how we're producing our food um, and our excessive use of resources and climate change and excessive animal production. Um, and small farms can very often uh, be the solution I think there absolutely is opportunity for more support for small farmers um, that can feed communities. I'm seeing uh, food security as an even greater issue um, in our urban areas where there are no grocery stores. There is no fresh produce. Um, I, I been doing some work with a local school system where uh, over 64% of their students are on uh, food assistance, meaning they get two meals a day. And I turn around and, um, you know, I walk out of the school and there's a, a spectacular green lawn. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have to ask myself, how, you know, there has to be a shift in this country, a real close examination of how are we using our resources? Are, are we really going to spray fertilizers and pesticides on a green lawn and mow it using petroleum, um, you know, or are we going to um, get rid of that lawn and plant food that could feed that entire school population? So mm-hmm. um, we're making choices that are counterproductive. And, you know, drought is a serious issue that's going to have to be weighed and weather changes um, in general have to be weighed. However, there are a lot of areas where we could make improvements that would give us much more security while we figure out some of these issues. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's true. You know, I I have been pestering my husband, you know, to grow some trees, plant some trees in our backyard. And we've looked at a variety of different types. And I said, you know what? Let's grow food. You know, let's plant orange trees. Let's plant, you know, some trees that would bear fruit that, you know, we love to eat anyway. Instead of just a shade tree, let's plant a shade tree with food. <laughs> so it is, I mean, you know, here in California where I live, we have built uh, huge track housing swaths of, of neighborhoods over some of the most fertile farmland in America. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if we're thinking about those kinds of things as we're creating the public policy um, that allow this kind of zoning over perfectly good farmland. So it really needs to be raised in the collective conscience of our country. And and I think you've touched on something important because not everybody lives in you know near farmland, but even people who are living in urban areas, it does not take a huge stretch of land to grow food. You mm-hmm. can have a pot on your windowsill. The work I do with some of the schools, you know, all it takes is basically um, a raised bed along a brick wall, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're growing food. And the benefits of that are proven that the students, when that food and that process of growing and gardening is worked into the curriculum and students have the opportunity to go out, I mean, Aside from the fact that they have the opportunity to eat it, just working in the garden improves their focus and their um, their uh, their output in the classroom. So that's that's proven, hands down. So uh, there are a lot of opportunities that um, go far beyond just our conventional model of large scale farming. 
Well, and I think too, you know, and I, of course, my nonprofit, the Go Green Initiative, is all about environmental education. And one of the things that is so great about having a school garden is that it, there there are many many science lessons that can be integrated into the garden and, and vice versa. I mean, you know, California state science standards are such that there are many ways to teach these standards and school gardens provide um, a tremendous living laboratory to teach the kids these, these science standards. And I know it must be the same in other states. Um, and I think that, you know, parents who see their kids doing this kind of work in school gardens are are inspired to to do some of the same things in their own yard or even just to volunteer at their children's school. It is kind of an empowering thing to be able to grow your own food. Um, and so I think it's a great community builder, but it's also something that may become a necessity at some point in our children's lifetime should there be some you know, severe, some of the most severe implications of climate change, um, actually manifested. We've got to take a, yep, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back much more with Terry Walters, uh, you can check out our website while we're on commercial break. Just open a new tab in your web browser and go to www.terrywalters.net. And we'll be right back with more Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad that you could all join us today. If you happen to just be tuning in, we're talking with Terry Walters today. She's the author of a book that I'm just crazy about. It's called Clean Food, A Seasonal Guide to Eating Close to the Source. And it's got a ton of great information and a ton of great recipes that are easy. And as a working mom of three, I like easy. (laughs) And if I can have an easy meal that's also very nutritious and and close to the source, then I'm a happy camper. You know, a lot of people, Terry, go to their doctors as their primary source of, you know, help information. And that's not a bad idea, but I've been told by numerous physicians in a variety of fields that the amount of time they actually spend on food and nutrition in medical school is pretty negligible, especially when you compare it to the amount of time they spend learning about pharmaceuticals, medicines, pills, all of that. And the most cynical side of me thinks, well, duh, you know, I mean, the, the big pharma companies can donate lots of money to medical schools and the, the National Cabbage and Eggplant Association doesn't even exist. So they don't really get a stake in the game. In any case, a lot of Americans are really relying upon their physicians to to be their health advisors. But when it comes to food choices and how that impacts good health, I'm wondering, you know, are doctors really qualified based on their lack of training in this area? And if not, where do we turn? Well, I do want to say that they're really, thank goodness for our doctors, and there's a time and a place um, for everything, but they do serve a great need. Unfortunately, uh, I just did a program here at one of our local hospitals, Integrative Medicine Center, and the director of the program was telling me that to be a board-certified cardiologist um, in 2013, you need zero hours of nutrition. <laughs> zero. Wow. And, for your heart. Um, Cardiologists, wow. And, uh, you know, my mother used to say to me, what could be more important and have a a stronger impact on your health than what you put in your body, the food that nourishes you? Um, And much of our food, if you want to call it that, in the the standard American diet, it doesn't fuel our metabolism. It doesn't fuel our activity. You know, we turn to, um, you know, uh, drugs like coffee and, and caffeine and soda and sugar to fuel us. Um, but that just is creating more and more inflammation. So it, it's really, it is a huge problem. And um, while our doctors are, you know, a valuable resource as a team player, it really does take a team. Um, and so the more we can expose ourselves to, you know, books like mine where I'm talking about the health value of these different foods, what they're serving, um, but also there are a number of other health coaches out there, functional medicine doctors who are really looking at the whole picture, um, and even publications like uh, one of my favorites is the Wellbeing Journal. Um, there's a functional medicine doctor who recently put out a book, The Immune System Recovery Plan, Dr. Susan Blum. Um, these are all great resources, and they're highly accessible. Even just um, you know, reading my blog or staying in touch with my Facebook page, Clean Food, where I'm trying to put out articles so that we can be as informed and educated ourselves. Because the educated consumer, that's the individual that's empowered to control their own health. So that you can take what the doctor says, but pull it together with all of your other resources to make the healthiest choice. Mm-hmm. I actually, I saw that in your blog about the immune system recovery plan. Yeah. And, uh, 
ordered it for myself. You can find it on Amazon, folks. So, um, you know, this is the kind of information that, that we need. Um, and it's too bad that we didn't all get it when we were in, you know, elementary school, but it's not too late. We can always learn, uh, and always improve. So, um, there, there is help available. You know, this topic of GMOs and whether or not they should be labeled has been hot. Here in California, we had a ballot measure during the last big presidential election cycle, and it, and it narrowly was defeated. But the, the movement goes on. Now, are you involved with the movement to get genetically modified organisms labeled in our food, or what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'll tell you that I want nothing to do with anything that is genetically modified. I admit mm-hmm. it. And when Proposition 37 in, in California did not pass, I was devastated. My daughter and I pulled up a, a list that you can find easily online of all the companies that supported its defeat <laughs> yep. um, and stopped buying all of those products. Uh, it was really, uh, someone has to take that first stance. And you know, well, I want nothing to do with GMOs, I'll tell you that quite honestly, um, I believe that studies have been done. I, I believe them, that they've worked it out some way to find that there's no nutritional difference between a genetically modified, say, head of broccoli and um, one that's conventionally grown or just or organic. Mm-hmm. That said, there's a whole host of other toxins in that genetically modified head of broccoli that I do not want in my system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I'm you know working here locally. Our um, our genetic GMO labeling bill um, was passed by the House with many late night add-ins <laughs> that were not <laughs> pleasing. Our legislative session is still in process, and um, I'm writing letters to the governor and the speaker of the um, you know daily. Um, so it, it, we have a lot of momentum here in Connecticut. The bill was passed with 85% approval last year and um, turned denied by our governor. This year we have 91% approval, and it's still being denied. So mm. it tells you something there that our health is not what's driving this system. Yeah. Our well, health, our desires, that's, you know, this is a very politically charged, um, there's a lot of money tied up in this, and uh, it's very big business. So I'd like to see labeling pass. I'm not demanding they take the GMOs out of my food. I just want the right to know. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, I have family members who, you know, have children with autism and food allergies and all these things. And and the doctor is able to say to them, you know, let's try a gluten-free diet and see how that works. Let's try a peanut-free or a dairy-free, you know, diet and see if that impacts their health for the better. Mm-hmm. But right now a doctor a pediatrician can't say to a parent you know let's take them off of gmo food and see if they improve and we don't even have that freedom to choose because we don't know uh, you know and freedom is a tricky of thing other countries have outlawed yeah. gmos in their yeah. food system I know. So, but we're and the Japanese them. will say that they are going to wait a generation they're watching what happens you know to to american children you know, as a result of the GMOs that are infused in our food. And what are they seeing? 
higher rates of obesity than ever, higher rates of food allergy, of autism, of asthma. Who knows if it's Mm -hmm. associated with GMOs because we can't we can't be sure because we can't prove the negative. But the point is, um, you know, our health trends are not going in the right direction. And even though we all know there's a number of variables in that, um, you know, what's the harm in labeling it? If it really is, you know, fine and dandy for our health, then then just label it and, and move on and let us make the choice. Mm-hmm. You know, there exactly. are some people who don't necessarily believe that organic food is necessarily healthier for us. What's your stance on that, Terry? What do you think? Uh, well, as I said earlier, I just I want to know that what I see is what I get. I don't want anything else in my food system other than the food itself and the nutrients that come from the soil um, that are, are there to nourish me. So um, there's there are lots of studies out there. Some show um, you know favorably that organic food is uh, n- more nutritionally packed. Others show that there is no difference. Um, but for me, I, I'm choosing for my family. I, there's a whole host of other things that are in our food. If it's not organic, that I just prefer to avoid. So I stick with organic. Um, and if it's not organic, uh, you know, and I have the opportunity to ask my farmer. Uh, organic certification is a pretty expensive. Um, uh, um, I've lost. It's expensive. Yeah, it's kind of a certification. <laughs> it's kind of like buying the certification to build a lead building. You know, you it, may exactly. do everything right, but to get the certification is an extra forty grand or something. Yeah, That's I know right. exactly. And, what and most mean. of our small farmers, in particular, who aren't subsidized by government funds like our big agribusinesses, they can't afford that. But if I have the opportunity to talk to that farmer, if I know the land, if I'm there every week, and maybe I'm even volunteering to help make that farm a possibility, then I know how the food was grown, and the label doesn't mean anything to me in that case, right? So that is another inherent benefit of eating clean. The closer to the source you are, the more you know about what is in your diet. Well, and it was funny, you know, I don't know if you watched the show Portlandia, but they had a really funny skit where they were kind of making fun of people who want to know about their food. And the couple wanted to meet the chicken before they ate the chicken and learn about its dreams and hopes and its life and everything. And so, you know, some people take it to the extreme and it it was kind of a funny skit, but, you know. It's still <laughs> it's still important for us to know where our food comes from and, and not just trust that it must be fine because it's sold, you know, on our favorite grocery store shelf. Tell me this, though, because this is something that, you know, it it's not readily evident to everyone why it's so important to eat foods that are in season. And for some people, it's hard to even know what is in season if, for whatever reason, you can't shop at a farmer's market, if you can only shop at a grocery store or a, a local bodega versus a local farmer's market. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about seasonality. So actually, Mother Nature gives us exactly what we need for to maintain our health in season. So for instance, right now it's spring. Well, it's hard to tell sometimes, but it is spring in the Northeast. (laughs) And we've been eating a lot of carbohydrates over the winter, you know, whole grains and sweet root vegetables. So we're a little sugar dependent and we want to lighten up a little bit. And so Mother Nature gives us all these fresh raw greens that are cleansing, they're lightening us up, they're flushing away the toxins, breaking away our addiction to that, the 
carbohydrate and the sweets from winter, um, and at the same time giving us these super high antioxidant berries. This is what's growing around me right now. And as it gets warmer over the summer, I'm going to be having... um, fruits and vegetables with a higher water content like cucumbers and tomatoes, but also great sources of vitamin C and, and many nutrients. And so, and then as fall comes around, we need that more, the greater immune support, right? And we get these dark leafy greens like the kale and the collards that are full of minerals. So Mother Nature really does give us exactly what we need. And not to mention the the very simple idea that, you know, when we're eating um summer peaches and tomatoes in the middle of winter, uh, one, they're not grown near us. So they're grown in some totally other environment. They're shipped a long way. They're not fresh. We're not getting nutritional value. And they're very wrong cleansing, which is not a good way to stay warm in winter. For the same reason, in the middle of summer, we don't want to be roasting, you know, heavy roots and squashes that keep us and make our bodies warm, right? So there's there's the health benefits, there's the just the comfort level of being in balance with your environment and the changing, uh, and, and as it changes. But there's also a really easy way if no matter where you're shopping, if you, even if you can't go to a farmer's market, of knowing if it's grown locally and if it's in season. And that is when you're at your grocery store, every, the things that are on sale, those are the things that are in season. So, for instance, right now, today, my local grocery store is having a huge sale on blueberries. That's what is in the greatest supply, and that's and so, therefore, the greatest demand. Um, these are foods that usually they take them off the regular shelves where they live, you know, 12 months out of the year, and they put them on a special table in the middle of the produce section or on an end, right? Um, so those usually are the foods that are in particular in season, and that's a good place to start. But if you still don't know, ask your grocer. Ask Every time you go in, what's locally grown? What's in season? And the more we ask, the more we create the change that's going to not only give us the food system that's sustainable, but the health that goes with it. Well, and that's, you know, in as much as it's great to develop a relationship with our local farmers, it's great to develop a relationship with our local grocers as well, uh, because they're going to be listening to what their customers want and what they need. And so that's not hard. Every one of us can do that. It's a great and solution. That, that creates a really great um, chain, a cycle of food from the farmer to your local grocery store to you. So mm-hmm. that's equally as important as having that, that local system set up. Yep, that's great advice, Terry. Well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, more with Terry Walters and her book, Clean Food. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad that you could all join us today. We're talking about a very important topic, and that is what goes into our bodies. Clean food is the way to go. And Terry Walters has got a great book out that I I think is going to change my family's life because the recipes are delicious and easy. Easy's good when you have a, a house full of kids and their friends and all of that. So I'd love for you to check out her book on our website, Terry Walters. The book is Clean Food, A Seasonal Guide to Eating Close to the Source. You know, Terry, one of the things that I'm always a bit sensitive to when it comes to food and, and, you know, access to clean food is that there are a lot of economically challenged people in our country. Some of them are urban dwellers who lack access to fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, and that's either because they only have a small neighborhood bodega or and they don't offer a lot of produce or because the price per mouthful to feed a hungry family is much lower when you feed them subsidized processed foods. How can we help ensure that a clean food lifestyle is available to everybody? First of all, this is the work that consumes me is because clean food is not a privilege. In my mind, clean food is a right. So everybody should have the opportunity to healthy, fresh produce, to, you know, a variety of whole food, whether it's grains, legumes, nuts, seeds. Um, and that's going to take a lot. It's going to take one, education, um, which is something that I'm in the schools and um, hospitals and corporations even, uh, straight throughout the year, trying to uh, create the, the base to not only allow people to make healthy choices, but teach them what those choices are. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work of, 
as far as our systems and our policies. And here in Connecticut, that's something that we're actually working on, not only um, the school gardens as we spoke about, but bringing um, education into the school system to every school. Um, Because, you know, when we eat the highly processed diet, um, we we don't gain the nutritional value we need. We don't satisfy ourselves as far as our nutritional needs um, as as far as our metabolism, as far as our fuel goes, um, and we eat much more. So even just showing children, for instance, what vegetables are and giving them the opportunity to grow them themselves, they're much more likely to want to eat that food and much more likely to then go home and say, let's get this. Um, and, you know, like the school I mentioned earlier, with 64% of their students getting two meals a day, if we can have them growing food that works into that system, even if the meals that we're providing them are healthier, well, then, you know, we've gotten 60% of their nutritional value met just through our school systems. So, you know, processes accessibility, bringing produce, urban farms and rooftop gardens and community organizations, working on education, systems, policies, that's what's going to create that change. Well, and I have to say, I've been really inspired by what the city of Newark, New Jersey has been doing. They actually have somebody full-time working on these issues who's been able to bring three new farmers markets into the urban area and allow... Uh, food stamps and and other you know food uh, subsidies that that uh, folks get to be used at these farmers mm-hmm. markets and that was no easy task to get that approved and to get that process in place so they have a great template that that other cities can follow as well and so much of that is just what you're saying that template if we can get a a source where we have best practices so that everybody's not recreating the wheel so that we can pick up and go with that um, it would be tremendous. And that's what here in Connecticut um, is one of the goals of our uh, newly formed Connecticut Food System Alliance, which is an organization that I'm working with. Best practices, um, pooling our resources, and creating a system that um, supports these policies statewide and opportunities in all of our areas, rural, suburban, and urban. You know, and I'm also sensitive to the fact that a lot of households operate with, you know, single parents who are working long hours um, to keep their households going and, and provide all that they can to their families. And they come home every night and they are exhausted. And, you know, they may not have a lot of fancy gadgets and tools in their, um, you know, in their in their kitchens. How can a clean food lifestyle be incorporated into that and still allow single parents who need that rest to get it and not spend the whole evening in the kitchen? Well, that really is how, what the inspiration of the clean food lifestyle, where it came from. I, I have no culinary background, I say, <laughs> and kind of, you know, shudder to think that I've just said that on, on national radio, but <laughs> um, I really am. It doesn't show, Terry, because the delicious, you know, stuff that you've created is amazing. <laughs> well, and, and we're all in that boat. Whether we're cooking for our families or ourselves, we want the nourishment. We don't want to take an excessive amount of time. Um, and and that really is uh, what it's all about. And, you know, my recipes are quick. They're easy. And just definition of a meal is different. You know, 
thinking about the rainbow of colors. So if you have your whole grain in the morning and maybe you have vegetables at another meal or make a big pot of greens and upcycle that, I give a lot of recommendations for, okay, what do we do with these leftovers? So maybe you cook once and get three days' worth of food out of that and how to make it so that it is. It's quick, it's easy, and most importantly, it's nourishing. Well, and what I love about your recipes is that it speaks to the practicality of those of us who really are hardworking parents. And, you know, we'd love to be, you know, one of those gourmet chefs on the cooking channels and what have you. But, you know, time just doesn't allow and maybe money just doesn't allow. And you have given us a really easy way to provide delicious and nutritious meals without exhausting ourselves every every night in the kitchen and that's one of the things that I think is so unique about your book clean food we only have about a minute go ahead Terry I think if there's one thing that I want people to know about clean food and eating clean it's that there's no judgment in this It, it, it does look different for each person and if you're if you change nothing about the way you eat but just sit down and chew your food more thoroughly you're going to get more nutritional value from it and digest it better and if you can bring in one new clean item maybe a dark leafy green or a whole grain every time you go to the store just one at a time and focus on bringing in it's not a huge investment but it has a huge impact on your health and at the end of the year if you only liked half the foods you brought in the foods that weren't serving you will slowly fall by the wayside, and you'll have 26 new foods in your diet. So mm-hmm. it's a slow transition, um, but it is much more likely to be a successful, long-lasting transition to eating clean. And that is something that I think everybody can do. And it's worth putting some brain share behind it to make it happen. And I really am inspired by what you're doing, not just by your book, but by your cause. You're, you've got so much more going on than just um, your your book, which I find terrific. But um, you are really invested in the movement on behalf of, of all Americans, uh, you know, rich, poor, everything in between, and I just love that. You're you're really uh, walking the walk. So thanks for being on our show, Terry. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in to Go Green Radio. We're going to be here same time, same place next week. And until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 